Welcome to another episode of the Worklife Podcast. To find out more about the Worklife Hub and to listen to other episodes, please go to www.worklifehub.com. Welcome to another episode of the Worklife Hub Podcast. I am your host, Agnes Uheretsky. If this is the first time that you are tuning in, let me just say a few words about this podcast. We speak to authors, researchers, business thought leaders, for them to share their knowledge and insight on work-life balance, leadership, culture change and organizational development. In our work at the Worklife Hub, we help companies reform their workplace to create a culture that embraces diversity and work-life balance. We are passionate about building vibrant and engaging workplaces that are great for employees and customers. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can do this via Twitter at WorkLifeHub, on our LinkedIn page or on our website. We're always happy to hear how you like the podcast or any other ideas that you would like to share with us. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the listeners of the Work Life Podcast. This is your host, Agnes. And today I'm joined from Texas via Skype by Cassidy Solis. Hi, Cassidy. Hey, Agnes. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. Cassidy and I and Zoltan, we met in 2014 in New York at the Work and Family Researchers Network Conference. And her work had such a strong impression on us and and now two years later we're back connecting via the podcast so I think it's particularly exciting to be in this evolution. So Cassidy she's flexibility program specialist for the SHRM Workplace Flexibility Initiative and partnership with the Families and Work Institute and she's been working there since 2012. She's responsible for growing the When Work Works initiative or project, which is the centerpiece of this partnership. So um, as a first question, Cassidy, would you mind taking listeners a little bit into what is this partnership between SHRM and the Families and Work Institute and your role there? Yes, definitely. So let me first start with SHRM. Uh, I am an employee of SHRM and SHRM is a very large human resource membership organization. We have over 275,000 members across 160 countries, and its purpose and mission really is to inform its membership and educate, share research on uh, everything related to human resource management. So Families and Work Institute uh, came to be involved with SHRM when SHRM realized that one area that we would like to be able to provide our membership more information about is workplace flexibility as a business strategy to help uh, organizations and people do their best work. So in 2011, um, we sort of fused this think tank capability of the Families and Work Institute, which brings us really great research about the workforce and the workplace um, with this huge reach of SHRM through its affiliate network and all of these members across the country. And thus, the partnership was born in 2008, and we joined together to develop When Work Works, which is an initiative that really works to bring research on workplace effectiveness and flexibility into 
business practice. And it's been a tremendous partnership. Um, we've really grown the initiative and we operate through a network of community partners that disseminate research from the Families and Work Institute and we develop resources on effective and flexible work and work with our partners to get that out uh, within their communities and their constituencies. And um, it's been really great. We've had a very positive response and an opportunity, I think, to really inform the conversation about effective and flexible work in the U.S. Well, I have to say, I mean, later in the podcast, I will ask you specifically about the website and the links, but already now I just wanted to acknowledge that I think the, the work you've been doing is, is such high level and accessible and informative that I can only congratulate you and, and the partnership because I think there's definitely a niche for this and, and especially for a little bit in this noise of all kinds of things being written on workplace flexibility, you know, the five things you have to do before breakfast type of uh, advice. I think it's it's so valuable to have your work, which is really based on, on quite rigorous research. Yes, definitely. And then the critical element, too, I think that is so important is adding that real sort of reality dose of practitioner implementation, because research, you know, is great, and we would never want to take that out. You need the rigor of the research to back up, you know, your theories. But when we get to implementing things and putting them into action, I think that practitioner piece and that... Um, you know, guidance that we receive from the HR practitioners' expertise and leadership that informs when work works is a really critical piece because it's sort of taking it to the next level. And we always like to say that we are putting research into action, which, um, you know, what better way to have research than to actually see it inform, you know, meaningful evolution, a word you recently used that I love because we are seeing this issue sort of evolve uh, in the U.S., and I think that for our part, we're we're trying our best to make a very positive impression in that evolution. And of course, because you are having you know one foot in the research and one foot in in the practitioners and in the real world of work, you have seen this evolution. So, how uh, pervasive do you think is this discussion on work-life balance and work flexibility? Do you see some kind of trends of it, of it growing, uh, a growing demand, a growing interest, and also spreading of the actual practices? Yes. So we have sort of a combination of really good, you know, research um, elements that we get from Families and Work Institute in the form of two main data sets. And that comes from the National Study of the Changing Workforce that looks at employees on and off the job, really. And then... We have the National Study of Employers, which looks at what, how employers are responding, basically, to some of these drivers. But then anecdotally, I'm in the field, and I've met with thousands of HR practitioners, so I'm hearing their firsthand um, you know, stories and what's going on with them. So when we talk about evolution and pervasiveness, I think what we can see is that clearly you know, research is showing that a vast majority of employees are very interested in workplace flexibility and consider it, you know, some numbers up to 90% of employees consider work flex a very important element in a next job. So if they're going to leave their job today and they're looking, 
they want workplace flexibility to be a key component of whatever job they're going to. Um, And there's also a lot of other drivers with that. You look at employee demographics and we know that, you know, something like 10,000 baby boomers are retiring uh, every year. Um, We see sort of this blurring between men and women and everybody working in the workplace and, um, you know, wanting to have meaningful work, um, work that, that means something to them. So we have a lot of these sort of demographic drivers that are increasing the need for work flex. And I think that employers are really responding because we see that, you know, they're the opportunities to give employees more work flex. Uh, employers are really taking advantage of that. And little things, just if you look at, you know, telework, for example, we've seen that number increase pretty steadily since 2005. Uh, with, with, I think, uh, over 80% offering employees at least the opportunity to remote work some of the time. So, um, and, you know, you can pull up a million studies on, on all of this, but I think the broad message is that employees want it more than ever, and employers seem to be responding to this employee need. So in that terms, I think it really is becoming quite pers- pervasive in the workplace. Absolutely. And what I particularly wanted to highlight in this podcast episode and in this conversation with you is that I still somehow think even though for me it's a little bit now difficult to see the forest from the tree because that's what I'm reading about all day every day but I still think that now somehow um, the public and employers have uh, grown accustomed to offering work flexibility for Uh, kind of your typical knowledge worker who works on a computer, you know, whatever job that is. But if you can take your laptop home or you can work from a work uh, co-working space or a cafe, whatever, um, then work uh, time, working time or duration or the, the place of work is not so restrictive anymore. But so coming to the point I wanted to highlight is that in your guides, you also have a lot of focus and attention to sectors that require a lot of face time like healthcare and hospitality and manufacturing so th- this is not your typical you know uh, job that that would lend itself so could you just go a little bit more into detail as uh, about these sectors and and perhaps also why you chose to focus on them and how and a bit more into detail or some examples on how such non typically flexible workplaces or employers can implement these? Yes, definitely. So thank you for bringing that up. And I wholeheartedly agree. And of course, it's not a stretch to realize that the majority of especially flex place opportunities are, you know, provided in the professional services sector. But when work works really strives to kind of go beyond that and look at the stories of, employers that are doing a great job that you might not necessarily think lend themselves to traditional flexibility. And sometimes they're not, um, you know, the glorious telework, which we all love as a full-time telecommuter myself. And so When Work Works set out to develop a series of WorkFlex guides that is intended to really help employers sort of reinvent work and think about ways to incorporate workplace flexibility in these industries where you might not think that it would work. 
So we have uh, six guides. Well, we will have six guides total. We're working on our last guide as we speak. And we've addressed uh, the manufacturing sector, retail and hospitality, small business. Um, we've addressed teleworking and soon we'll be addressing um, a guide for managers. But there are some really great examples. And I think that one of the things that WinWorkWorks does a good job about, a uh, job with is highlighting you know, stories that are not your typical uh, success stories. So one example that I just love so much is um, a manufacturing example that came to us out of New Hampshire, and that is a Globe Fire Suits. So, you know, they make, they are manufacturers of fire protective gear and supply vast amounts of this protective clothing and fire gear across the U.S. and internationally, if I'm not mistaken. And so it's a quite, you know, labor-intensive job. And uh, believe it or not, the position of pockets on fire suits can be uh, very vast. And so it's a very hands-on, must-be-there, individualized product that they're manufacturing. Mm -hmm. So... Of course, you have to be there and it's, um, you know, line work. So what did they do? I love what they did. And um, they sort of took this approach of we want to be able to help our employees do what they need to do. And rather than lose people, they, you know, talk to employees and ask them what would work. So I think a great example that they did is looking at um, time and it doesn't have to be this huge overhaul. They had a policy in place where employees were expected to work from 7 to 3.30. Well, in order to, you know, retain employees and talk to them about what really worked, they devised a new plan where employees could adjust their start times between 6 and 8 a.m. with a correspondingly later end to their shift. So... This was tremendously successful for them. Employees with that control over their schedule have been able to adjust their workday to fit their personal and family needs, and their retention rates are now through the roof. I love this example because it shows that, you know, this doesn't have to be, you know, Monday morning, all of your employees will telework. And uh, this is how it's going to be and a complete overhaul of every process. In this scenario, we're talking about a couple of hours, but to these employees, it made such a difference. And can you imagine for those employees that are, you know, have families or need to drop kids off at, say, an elementary and a middle school, can you imagine what that 15 minutes can do? I mean, that is really the difference between walking in to your workplace in a frazzled, you know, frantic manner or walking in calm knowing that you have, you know, gotten your family off to where they need to be that day and you have that flexibility to be able to adjust your schedule in a way that works for your employer and your life. And I think that is, I love that example because it just seems so simple, but it's so um, impactful for the organization and the employees. So, um that's probably one of my favorite examples that came out of our uh, WorkFlex guides. Another example that um, rings out to me is uh, a health system, Bon Secours. You know, it, this is a very difficult industry. You know, the healthcare system is a very, uh, you know, hands-on, can be 24-hour if you're in the hospital setting, have very high stakes, very emotional and physically demanding work. So, um, 
This is also something very simple. Um, when employees in the health system, when, when the patient ratios become pretty low, some healthcare organizations um, require certain staff to leave. And um, one thing that Bon Secours has done is implemented a volunteer process where patient, when pa patient censuses drop, they ask for volunteers for who would like to go home, but they're not forcing anybody to go home. So this is great because it's provided that flexibility for staff, for those that need to take care of uh, things off the job or just want the day off to do that without these, you know, stringent in place policies. So again, sort of handing over a little bit of this um, empowerment over to employees has really yielded very positive results for this system. And um, they've won numerous awards for their effective and flexible workplace practices, um, both when work works, but also, you know, other recognitions. And really just seems so simple. I love the simplicity of both of these examples, but um, really handing that control over to the employees and trusting them to, you know, do the right things for themselves. So those, I think, are two of my favorite examples that I wanted to highlight today. Absolutely. And thank you so much for sharing them. I think they really illustrate that if you give back more the control over their schedules and just enlarge this sense of autonomy over your own day that right. can make a huge difference and especially you know when we talk about trends that you know one of the high fastest growing uh works workforce population is is the carers at least in europe this is a huge problem um you know if if you mm -hmm. can go earlier so if you don't have maybe your small children anymore if you can go in earlier, but then it means that you have more time maybe in the afternoon to look after your parents. You know, I think I think that that also oh, makes a huge difference that you don't just come there in the evening or, you know, also when you're tired and and it just rings a bell so much. And actually in the UK, Sainsbury's, um, the Sainsbury's supermarket has done something similar because what happened and here I'm trying to make the link directly between employee happiness and satisfaction and, and customer satisfaction, or in the case of your, your healthcare example, the satisfaction mm -hmm. also of, of the patients. And, and Sainsbury's, what they've done is they have given to the bakery section um, autonomy over the bakery team to devise their own schedules. And because we are so different, everybody has different needs, um, not everybody wanted to be there at the same time, so they were able to really um, stretch out their their um, work. And it also meant that for the customers, they always had fresh bread. So it wasn't that you know when you when you finish work after your right. office job that there's That's just great. nothing left in the supermarket on the fresh food section. But it meant that because it was so stretched out evenly during the day. So thank you so much for sharing these examples. And I think it also shows that it's a bit of a myth busting, I think, that, that this is not going to be just a huge, you know, overhaul of all your management system and HR system. It's just a little bit of goodwill and a little bit of common sense. Right. And a little bit of, you know, listening to what employees need. So I think that that is the really, really important factor in that Um is that, you know, sometimes it's really just that 15 minutes or the opportunity 
to do it if you need to. Even just knowing the opportunity is available provides really great loyalty from employees to employers and has been tremendously successful as a retaining, you know, characteristic. So, um, you know, you just made me think of another program that I think is really good. And this is an, a knowledge, a knowledge based industry and consulting uh, firm, but you would think that consultants, you know, can take their computers and work anywhere, but because of, very strong confidentiality and intellectual property issues, they're required to do all work on site. And what I love about this organization um, is they have devised a 40 and 5 program where employees are permitted to work any configuration of 40 hours within the Monday through Friday five-day work week. And this has been very successful for them and they, nobody leaves. Nobody wants to leave this organization. Uh, mm. And I just think so novel, such a great idea, um, you know, accomplishes their work goals, work product is getting done in some cases, you know, faster because uh, believe it or not, a lot of people want to get their 40 hours done Monday through Thursday. So Fridays turn out to be a little bit light there, but it's been tremendously successful for them. And, um, you know, just a really good example, again, of working with employees to make sure that work is being done in a way that works for both the organization and the employee. Absolutely. So, um, when work works, um, or, you know, the partnership, you have, besides these guides, you have two other initiatives. One is a self-assessment tool, an assessment tool, and the other one is also an award. So, would you like to maybe also just briefly explain what these features are and, and maybe how they tie together? Absolutely. So I want to start with the award because the award is really the centerpiece of When Work Works. And it is the way that we are able to bring the examples to you. Um, the examples that we share through When Work Works and through our um, online searchable database, the Guide to Bold New Ideas, come directly from When Work Works award-winning organizations. So the award is an annual award and organizations apply. It's a two-round award. Uh, the first round is filled out by the employer and the second round uh, is filled out by employees. So what's unique about the award is that the employees are really you know, corroborating <laughs> or backing <laughs> up what the employers are writing. So it's a, it's a rigorous award and it's you know, strengthened by that employee component. And it is um, compared and contrasted against FWI's National Study of Employers. So it's really, you know, grounded once again in that research component. So uh, that's the great uh, thing about it. So we take our winning organizations, we feature them in our online searchable tool. In the past, we printed that, but we are moving to making that available online. And the great thing about the award is that um, all applicants receive a free benchmarking report that gives an indication of how your organization compares to others in your industry. So it's a free report, um, which is a great strategic tool for organizations to use to really assess sort of how they, you know, stack up in their industry and also provide some insight onto how they might be able to improve if they're looking to improve their uh, flexibility uh, offering. So it's, you know, where you stand and how you might be able to get better. So that is the great thing about our award. Um, 
We are scoring our award winners now, and our next round of winners will be announced at the end of April. So if anyone's interested, you'll be able to see more about that on our website. Um, related to the award, uh, we also offer a quick WorkFlex assessment that should take about 15 minutes or less. And this is basically a mini When Work Works Award application survey that provides a mini benchmarking report at the conclusion of the assessment. So once again, it is meant to give you a quick snapshot in time of how you're doing when it comes to your um, effective and flexible workplace offerings. And we've sort of done it in a way that by providing you a score and a mini benchmarking report, we hope that it will both educate employers about how they stack up, but then also incite them to take the next step and move forward in applying for the award. Because it's our goal that um, more organizations apply, more of these uh, organizations like Globe that I was talking about or Bon Secours comes forward and shares their story because I think we really need to open the dialogue on what we're doing well and what doesn't work so well so that there can be a very broad national discussion about it so that we can, um, you know, improve this evolution and um, make work work. We always use this phrase, make work work better for everyone, make it work for employers and make it work for employees. Totally. And, and I think, you know, despite having um, HR analytics as an incredibly booming sector, you know, we are still just people everywhere. And the best way to get inspired is to talk to each other, you know, talk to other companies, talk to other HR managers and find out how they are doing and what they are doing and just get inspired. And of course, you will need to tweak it to your own reality, to your own sector, your own size. But but ultimately, if you can get ideas and think, hey, you know, this worked for them. So why not give it a shot here and, and to spread it, I think, is a wonderful thing. It's very it's been really great. And I think that's also a great thing that has contributed to when work works from SHRM and the, the fellowship of SHRM members, because in traveling and speaking about this issue with SHRM members, one thing I'm always continually impressed with is their willingness to share and uh, be open about it and talk about what worked for them and what didn't. And they really, you know, learn from each other and are willing to take advice. And I think that is, you know, so important in, in learning and so important in developing and improving is wanting to, you know, learn how to make this work. And it's that quest for information and that goal to help the business and employees that I think is helping when work works continue to grow. Yes. And, and I think that, um, you, you have to keep on learning. You know, you cannot just stop. Absolutely. And especially in such a ever-increasing, um, ever-quickening, ever-more-complex uh, lives that we all live. And at the same time, people wanting to affirm more and more their individuality, more and more want a good quality of life inside and outside of work. Um, you know, you just have to keep up. You have to get informed because otherwise, if you get stuck in the way you were running an organization maybe 10 years ago, it's no longer going to cut it with, with the current demographics. Absolutely. And also extending beyond even that is that, 
even those organizations that are truly enlightened and willing to, you know, take the steps necessary to implement some of this, you know, as one of our um, participants notes uh, from Ryan Tax, a repeat award winner, um, their VP of HR says, you know, this is not a set it and forget it program. You need to make sure that it's serving your people's needs. And if it needs tweaks, be willing to go back and make sure that it's accomplishing the business and employee goals um, that it's set out to do. So um, I totally agree. I couldn't agree more. It's really a learning process and a commitment to trying to make it work for everybody involved. So before we go to our last question, Cassidy, may I just ask you to share with listeners the website or the Twitter or where um, listeners can get more information and where they can reach out to you? Absolutely. So we are on Twitter at When Work Works. It is a mouthful. And you can also visit our website and access all of the guides that I referenced for free. They're all available for free download, as are um, multiple other resources on effective work at www.whenworkworks.org. And um, Agnes, I don't know how you do it, but I'm happy to share my email address with you or so that can be posted and people can contact me directly if they'd like more information about When Work Works. Um, we can put all of this into the show notes or if people would like to get in touch with you, they can also contact us and we'll just direct them on to you. Great. That sounds great. Now, coming to the last question, um, which is always the same. If I could ask you, Cassidy, to give one advice to a CEO on how he or she could start implementing flexible work in his or her organization, what would that one advice be? I will go back to listening to what your employees need, uh, treating your employees as whole people and uh, really empowering them to help you make business, you know, work better. That's, that's exactly it, I think. <laughs> so thank you so much. I really appreciate that you took the time to be with us to explain much more in detail about the partnership, about the guides, about the assessment, the award. I think listeners can take away so much knowledge and inspiration from it. And, and I can just only encourage everybody to go and really download these guides because they're absolutely fantastic. And I wish you all the best of success for your work, Cassidy. Thank you so much, Agnes. And thanks for having me.